It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah. yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. It is a one-timer. It is Zolgad and Declan Goff as always. And uh, we are discussing the recent success of the Wild, who of course came back from their bye week. And Declan laid a complete egg against the Boston Bruins. And since then... Excuse me, I've won two consecutive games. Naturally. Beating the Blackhawks 3-2 in overtime, and then we were both there again last night. They beat the Canucks 4-2. As we record this, we are doing it before the Wild plays Dallas on Friday evening. And so I'd like to start here, though. And I'd like to get your feeling on this, because this is a topic we talked about a lot early in the season. And honestly, at that time, I didn't think it would happen. But now it basically has. The line combinations, which I think is is so interesting, beginning with this fact. Um, the third line or second line is now Luke Cunnan being moved to center, all right? Ryan Donato on his left, Kevin Fiala, who we can talk about in a second because he's been magnificent for two consecutive games, on his right. The fourth line is Miko Koivu, where he's been for now a few weeks. Jason Zucker on his left for the full game last night against Vancouver, and, and then Ryan Hartman, who's basically been a fourth liner all year long. But the fact is, you've got in uh, Koivu and Zucker, guys making a combined, because they've got identical contracts for this season, $11 million per season playing fourth line. And to me, this is such a, a, a nod, a head nod, not to necessarily what Bruce Boudreaux wants to do, but to what Bill Guerin probably wants to do, Declan, and the fact that they are finally having their lines fall as they should. For the sake of the future of the franchise. I think Garen has a bigger influence on this team than we thought he was going to have. Um, this goes back to December when, or excuse me, more like January when Victor Rass was getting top six minutes for basically no reason uh, for an extended period of time. And then eventually, after I believe it was the Boston game, which was probably the final straw with Victor Rask in the top six, that Bruce said, all right, enough's enough. I played this kid more than I wanted to. He's going to get to the penalty box. And if he does get back in the lineup, he's probably going to be in the fourth line role. And this carries over to the exact same thing you're talking about, where he isn't afraid to put Miko on a fourth line. He isn't afraid to put Jason Zucker on a fourth line, which is something that you said he would have, you would have done first week of the season uh, when we started taping um, earlier in the year. And I wouldn't have done that. I think it took a lot of guts by Boudreaux to do that. But I think it sends a message from ownership to coaching to players that, hey, you're not untouchable. And we're gonna put you if, you if we're gonna put all of our team and all of our players in the best position to win. And if you're not performing, you're gonna be on the fourth line, and that's gonna be your role. I will say 
that I think the Wild and Boudreaux do a good job of rotating four lines pretty equally instead of a traditional four-line hockey team where maybe one and two are getting the bulk of the minutes and three and four really aren't playing that much. So the Wild, to their credit, definitely rotate those lines equally, but it's definitely interesting to see guys like that on the fourth line. And I don't even think that Jason Zucker is playing that poorly. I just think it makes sense because he's probably going to be traded. He's not a long-term guy here. Um, I just think what they're doing right now, one, it gives them a spark, which for the immediate is nice. But more importantly, I think it gives them a realistic look at the kids again. You know, Ryan Donato not playing, and I've been saying this for months, makes no sense. It makes no sense. Now, if you decide that you don't like him going forward, then get rid of him. But give him a chance to prove that. And I don't see how you can be really down on a guy who, when he gets a chance, drives the net, gets shots. Now, I understand he's not the strongest player. And on the boards, there's some issues there. So he's not the perfect player. But he's the type of guy who deserves to to play a lot when it's five on five. And more importantly and we're seeing this now, on the power play. And Miko and Jason basically have been taken off the power play, yeah, which is absolutely fine. But all of these things make sense to me. And let's transition to, uh, because the kid playing the right wing on the um, on the Cunning-Donato line probably deserves a bit of our attention on this podcast because the last two games, the last six-plus periods have been phenomenal. Kevin Fiala... When he is applying himself, okay? So I'm going to be very careful here. I'm not, I'm not making a bold superstar statement. But I, I asked you this question this morning off the mic. I will ask you this on. When Kevin Fiala is applying himself and playing up to his capabilities, who on the Minnesota Wild, talent-wise, even comes close to him? I, I don't think it's close. I, 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 he, that's how dynamic he is. But I think that's the what clo- Paul Fenton saw too. Right. I think the closest answer is probably Matt Zuccarello, just in terms of hockey sense and and the way he can pass and and has a feel for the game. As cliche as that sounds, but it's Zuccarello, and that's probably it. You know, the Wild have a lot of good workhorses, and they got a lot of good players that are good at their own skill set. But no one is dynamic like Kevin Fiala has been in the last two two or three games, and it's. It's not confidence because the kid is very confident. I it's not a cockiness. Sure, you want one could say it's cockiness, but there's a swagger and a confidence to him that is very compelling and refreshing to see on this team. When when they're playing, what was it, Chicago, and they went to overtime, and Fiala has two goals. He's out there for ninety seconds on the four on four, excuse me, the three on three, and he wants the hat trick. He clearly wants the puck. I love that. The Wild haven't had that. It's since Gabrick left 12 years ago. And in that sequence, too, how many times have we seen Parisi or Suter or somebody else, a veteran, three-on-three OT, and you keep saying from the press box, get off the ice. Get off. Get off the ice. With Fiala, I was like, okay, Stay. whatever. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he, he abused the rotation, and I think that might be the first time I've watched the Wild uh, at home play a three-on-three OT where it was clear that the guy w- was abusing his ice time, mm-hmm. and I didn't care. Right. And I'm not sure what you thought, but I literally thought to myself, he is he has such great hands and is so dynamic and fun to watch that, you know what? Okay, he stayed out too long. Right. It was fun. Game breaker, man. Fent- Fenton was right. And really I, was. I, I, I made this point three weeks ago, a month ago, that we need to stop this conversation, and it's now becoming more and more true, and I'm glad they're going to blow smoke up my own rear end here because it's so true. 
this guy was clearly something special. And Fenton was right to trade for him, the Wilder right to have him. And it's definitely why, if you're now Bill Guerin, you also have to take a look at acquiring more young players who have high ceilings, who have showed glimpses of this. And we can get into trade deadline stuff at a later podcast. I know we will. And especially as we heat up here in the next two weeks with the deadline on the 24th. It's going to be reckless, too, so be careful. Very reckless. Put your hockey helmet on. So if you're Bill Guerin, I think those are the players, to to put a little bow on on that, those are the players you want to accomplish or try to acquire. You want to get 23, 24-year-olds who have shown glimpses of success that you can see if you can build off even more. All right, I'm going to bring up a young name, and I'm going to ask you for how concerned we all should be, including me, because I like the kid. Okay. Jordan Greenway. I'm concerned, yeah. Uh, Well... Here's here's the thing. Am I concerned? And Louis and, Lu- and Louis on Tuesday went in on him. Louis, well, I gave Louis a laundry list of names for yeah. tradable candidates, and he flat out said to me, "You forgot somebody." Jordan and Greenway. brought up Jordan Greenway, and it's interesting because what Louis said was, "When you trade someone like that who's 22 years old, and you are essentially bailing on someone." When you trade him, you're assuming he's never going to get past a certain level. And for me, even though at the beginning of the year, because I thought Greenway in the first month and a half of the season or so was really good and was dynamic and had a really good thing going on that geek line. But over the last, I would say, I don't know, two months, he has been a ghost. He has been everything that we despised about Charlie Coyle. So at this point, I you you won't be able to get a straight-up hockey trade for Jordan Greenway. Jordan Greenway is definitely the layer that pushes a trade over the top of being like, all right, you want Stahl, you want Dumba, you want whoever. We're also going to give you Jordan Greenway. He, he's, he's that little layer, and, and you have to understand that giving up on him, yeah, you're bailing on him, but that they got so many of these kids, you got to figure out which ones you want to build around and which ones you don't want to build around. And I think Greenway is trending towards someone I don't want to build around. How naive do I sound by saying it still pains me? Because if he ever delivers, I, I go back to, and, and I've got the uh, wild 2019-20 schedule in front of me, Dex. I go back to the November 7th game at San Jose and that string on that West Coast trip, which after that went at Arizona, which the wild won, they lost to the Kings. But, but my point being is for like three or four games, that kid applied himself and it was so fun to watch. Yeah. And I think he got a concussion. He got a high hit shortly after that and has not been the same since. I feel super naive in saying this, but in some ways I just hate to throw him in in a deal yet because if he ever can find it, but you brought up the name that's a cautionary tale. You know, Charlie Coyle never found it. Like, never found it, it. It was never consistent. And how many and how long did it get until we were just like, okay, this isn't going to work. So you're probably right. It just pains me because I love the size. And if that kid ever went to the net and consistently – uh, worked around the net and in the corners, man, can he create chances. Okay, but, l- but let's, you're probably right. Let, let's just say this. What if you chopped off three inches and, and 30 pounds of them? Would you have the same view of them that you do? No. Oh, right. no, it's, it's the size. It, the size is what it's de- the size. It deceives us, and, right. and it, it sometimes can blind us, I think, at, at when we evaluate players. How confident do you feel when I tell you that I'm fair, that I think that the Wild has, and this is not for – the long term, okay? Okay. I I feel very confident in saying that the Wild has a new number one goalie, and that is Alex Daylock. And I know that we've talked about all the different permeations of the directions that they could go in goal, and I'm not pushing against you on that, but I think it's very safe to say that if the Wild is going to um, have success, like let's say they make a playoff run. I don't think they will, but let's say they make a run that, and by playoff run, I don't mean in the playoffs. I mean to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think it's going to have to revolve largely around Alex Stalock as the top goaltender. So when you say Alex Stalock, the number one goaltender, I, I mean, I say yes by default because Devin Dubnik's been so poor this season. Yeah. Well, um, and I and I do think, and I will say this in defense of Dubnik, playing goal when everything in your personal life is right, right. has to be tough. Mm-hmm. Playing goal when your wife has been sick has to be it's an, a mental position, an enormous ass. Yeah, it's a mentally so, taxing position. Yeah, so I, I, in his defense, I don't see how you could be successful trying to. I, to me, you can't just go play goal and be like, "Oh, my wife's sick," but I'm for three hours, it's no big deal. Right. So I'll actually defend him there, but I will say that Staylock is he's the better goalie right yeah, now. Exactly. I, I really, I don't want to hear it, hear it another way either. I, I think he is the better goaltender, and the Wild are in the right to have someone who is making pennies on the dollar. You want this kind of goalie as you're rebuilding and retooling your roster. Yes, Alex Stalock is never going to mature into a 50-game starter, 2-3 GAA, and a 9-15-20 save percentage. That's just not who he is. But he is a capable goaltender that you can patchwork around and find someone else. Maybe it's Kakinen. Maybe it's going on the free agency wire and get and buying low on a veteran for one or two years. This is the ideal situation for him to be in. And also, to credit him, and to credit us, we've been saying for basically the last year or so on this podcast, we want him to play more. And he's playing more, and he's playing better because of it. He's already matched his career, he's already tied his career high for starts in Minnesota. Correct. And that does not mean abusing him, too. So I, I believe that Boudreau didn't flat out come out and say it after the Thursday game against Vancouver, but he implied that Dubnik was going to start the Friday night game at Dallas, and he should. Mm-hmm. Like, Staylock cannot play every game. This whole thing of, well, Dubnik's just going to start and start and start is a bad idea. And the same holds true for Alex Stalock. Well, but it, I do think if you do this right, that Alex Stalock right now should be starting every, what, take your pick, three or four games. Right. And it, it's amazing to me how quickly Boudreaux has shifted that narrative of just, I mean, Christmas time. He was saying Devin Dubnik's our number one, our number, our number one. And now Stalock's starting back to back to back. It's probably not going to start as we recorded this on Friday. It's probably not going to start against the Stars. You do have to get Dubnik in there eventually. But it's amazing how quickly that rhetoric changed from Boudreaux, who is someone who I think has had Dubnik's back since he's gotten here. Final thoughts before we wrap it up? I am very excited for the trade deadline. I'm just hoping by the time we record on Tuesday that we're not spoiled by a a primer of, of something that happens. With full, the Wild and someone else. Full Tuesday show uh, comes up on that day. Of course, you can hear that show at, what, 7 p.m., I believe. 7 p.m. on, on Tuesday, As well as the podcast. That is it. Judd's one-timer. He's Declan. We're done. Fast shoot score.